But fall is here, it's a new season, and last week we started a new, uh, a new series called The Table, and I'm going to be continuing with that series today, uh, starting in 2 Samuel chapter 9. Let us read there, we'll read uh, 13 verses there. 2 Samuel chapter 9 verse 1, it says, David asked, is there anyone still left, someone say left, left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake. Now there was a servant of Saul's house and his, uh, household. His name was Ziba. They called him to appear before David and the king said to him, are you Ziba? Your servant, he replied. The king asked, is there no one still left at the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, he is at the house of Makir, the son of Emil and Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Makir, son of Emil. And when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, your servant, he replied, do not be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. And Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Hmm. Then the king summoned Ziba. He said, Saul, servant, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to, are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young man named Micah. And the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always Always ate at the king's table, and he was crippled in both of his feet. Let us pray today. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, oh God, for your presence that we have felt this morning. God, I pray, God, that your presence would continuously be felt throughout this word. God, let this word fall on a, a soul who is needing this word today. God, make this, may this word, may this message from you take root in someone's life today. May it, may it pierce dark places in someone's life today. God, at the end of this, God, remind us how important your table is and how you are calling us all there today. I thank you in advance for what you were about to do. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. This is one of my favorite passages of scripture. And I have preached it and preached it throughout the years. And every time I preach it, there is something new that sticks out from this passage uh, that, that is uh, a well-known story. You may have never heard this story, but it, to me, it is a story that truly reflects the heart of our God. It is a story that, 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 that although this is David, David is, is, is reflecting the heart of God throughout this passage of Scripture. He is showing what his heart is really about, no matter who you are or where you come from. God desires for you 
you to be seated at his table. Amen. It is a passage that is a reflection of God's heart. It shows his intentions. It shows what he wants. And at the beginning of this, uh, of this story, it says, and uh, David asked, is there anyone that's still left? And that is such a powerful, just a few words there. And that's where we're going to be kind of going today. And I'm going to continue this in the weeks to come. But just this one statement is so powerful because he says, is there anyone still left? Is there anyone still out there? Is there anyone that's left? You may have found yourself in a left season. You may have found yourself in a place where you felt, I'm the only one here, or I'm the only one that is in this state of suffering, or I'm the only one that really understands what I'm going through. No one knows my pain. No one cares if I'm at church or not. Is there anyone left, or am I the only person here? Everything was going great. Sales were up. You had good reviews, and then and then all of a sudden, they, they left me. They, 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 they let me go. They cut my job. They left me with no job. They left me with no income. They stripped my manhood. You know, I'm the provider of my family. And now I have nothing to show for. Am I the only one that is left? We just had bought a dream home. Or, and it had the pool. And it had the views. And then, but, but, but he left me. There was no notice. He just left me. He left me with the bills. He left me with the kids. He left me for, for her. And now, now it's been a year and he's already moved on and he's updated his, his Facebook page and he's already had family pics and everything looks like it's going fine but I'm just sitting here broke. Why? Because I feel left. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm left. I feel alone. I feel like nobody understands where I am at. When you have been left, you feel disabled. You feel like you can't move on properly. You just feel Left. Has anybody ever felt left in here? Like you were the only one. No one could understand where you were at. You felt like nobody cared about you. But I bring good news to you this morning or the gospel to you, the good news of the word. Because whenever you feel left, God can get you feeling right. See, whenever you feel depleted, the Holy Spirit can fill you. Whenever you feel disabled, you got to understand that by his stripes, you've been healed. Your family may disown you. Your job may release you. Your BFF may have deleted you. Your spouse may have left you, but our God will never leave you. He shall never forsake you. He'll stick closer than any brother. You are the apple of his eye. And if he hung out between two thieves, you're not too messed up for him to hang out with you this morning. God wants to hang out with you. God wants you to be at his table because whenever you feel left, know that God is near to you. God is near to you. If he hung out between two thieves, you're not too messed up for him to hang out with you this morning. Isn't that some good word this morning for someone? You may feel like you've been through some stuff. You may feel like you've been left, but nothing is too big for our God this morning. I just feel left. Let me tell you something. You think the devil would, you think the devil would really learn, but this shows the stupidity of the devil because he never really understands. He never really grasps it. It is crazy. It is crazy for the devil to put somebody alone. It's it's so crazy for the devil to place someone who is spirit-filled alone because he thinks the victory comes when he gets someone isolated, feeling alone, feeling left, feeling like nobody understands or nobody cares. He loves it to get people alone. But the next time you feel left, you just remind the devil of what happened when the soldiers left Jesus in the tomb by himself because it led to a resurrection because the same spirit that was in that tomb is the same spirit that wants to resurrect you this morning. 
It's the same spirit. You're not staying in this season alone. There's a table that's waiting for you. You're not residing in this left season. There's a table that's waiting for you. You're not staying in this moment of isolation because there's a table that's waiting for you. Because when the devil thinks he has you all alone, he forgets that the Holy Spirit is all up in your business. Just as the spirit was in Jesus' tomb, the spirit is with you today. The same spirit that got him up is about to get you up. Somebody is going to get a faith lift. Look at your neighbor and say, you need a faith lift. Don't say facelift. You need a faith lift. Why? Because, see, because see, your faith has wrinkles. Your faith, gravity has pulled your faith down. But let me tell you something this morning. The Spirit of God is here to empower you today. The Spirit of God is here to breathe upon you today. The Spirit of God is here calling you to this table. And whenever you get to the table, it's like you are a new creation. God is calling you for a faith lift. You need a faith lift. Look at somebody and say, I need a faith lift. I need a faith lift. I need my wrinkles ironed out. Gravity has pulled me down. The same spirit, he's reshaping your purpose. You've been living in the past. He's calling you to your present. He's calling you to his table. The devil is a liar. How many of you know that the devil is a liar? The devil is a liar. You are not alone. Why? Because the church is with you. Why? Because God is with you. Why? Because Jesus Christ is with you. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is empowering you today. You are not alone. You've got to understand that. You've got to get that in your spirit. You are never alone. And guess what? This is a word for somebody today. See, because you have, you have felt like you've been left. You have not been left. You've just been on preserve for this moment. Why? See, because whenever something is preserved, it is mixed with fine ingredients and it's put on a shelf that is waiting for the right moment for it to be released. See, you are not alone. You are not left. He's just had you on a shelf for this moment. Now is your time. Now is your moment. Now is your time. Somebody this morning needs to get to his table. Get to the table. Get to his presence. Mephibosheth was his name. And although he was born into royalty, he was born with no disability. He was born into royalty. The grandson of King Saul, the son of Jonathan, David's good friend, destined to eat at the royal table. He was destined for royalty. This kid was literally born with a silver spoon in his mouth. He was destined for the kingdom. He was destined to rule the people one day. It was in his blood from the very beginning of his life. But although born with the right last name, you got to understand this. The people around him were not contributing to God's plan for his life. The people around him were not cultivating the goodness of God in him. They were not helping him reach his potential. It was all to do with the people that was around him. And I'm going to break this down for you. It had everything to do with everything to do with the people that was around him. Because you've got to understand. Oh, I've got a question for you this morning. Who is in your life that is not cultivating the good in you? Hmm. Who do you have in your life that you have allowed to sit at your table? But they are not cultivating the goodness of God in your life. During this time, it's so important to understand that 
The biblical times were not like the times of today. In times of today, we appreciate people with disabilities. We want people to be part of our church. We want those people to feel welcome. We do everything we can. There are organizations, whether it's physical or mental, uh, educational. We do everything that we can in the United States of America for people with disabilities. We try to make everything where people can come in and accessible. Why? Because we care about those people and they are part of our, they are part of our culture. They are part of who we are. But during the biblical times, this was not the case. During this time, it was a time of uncertainty. It was a time of chaos. It was a time of war. And then all of a sudden, we see the disabilities come into Scripture. Just jot this down. In 2 Samuel 4.4, it gives the reason how while he was born with no, with, with, with no disabilities, but all of a sudden, something happened in his life. And in 2 Samuel 4.4, it states that Jonathan, the son of Saul had a son who was lame in both of his feet. Listen, it says that he was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. His nurse picked him up. Somebody that he trusted. Somebody that he believed in. Someone that was in his inner circle, if you would. This person, nurse, picked him up. And as she hurried away in this moment of chaos, the word says she dropped him. And he fell He fell and became crippled. His name was Mephibosheth. One minute, he was in line for royalty. The next minute, he is a crippled person whose life was totally changed. Because all of a sudden, he was in line for royalty now he's in line with disability because all of a sudden like I told you before times were different in times if you were born with a disability they would ship you off somewhere they would disown you a lot of babies did not even make it past the crib they would they would put them off they would send them to this place in this text that we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks called Lodabar it was a place where everyone was the same they all had disabilities it was a place that was barren and they would ship the people off there. They, you, if you were in line, if you had a lineage, your lineage would disown you. They put them there. So one minute he's in line for royalty. The next minute he is in a place where he feels like he does not belong. It was one second they removed him from royalty and they sent him off to dwell among other people with disabilities. All it took was a second and his life changed. All it took was someone that he thought was going to help him, that he allowed to carry him, and the person that was carrying him dropped him. Hmm. And all of a sudden, just one second, his life was totally altered. All it took was a second, and Mephibosheth felt left. You got to understand this, that the devil dwells. The devil loves these split second moments. He loves the moments that happen so quickly. He loves the moment that catches you off guard. He loves the moments that disable your faith. He loves the moments that steal your joy. He loves the moments that dis that interrupt your worship. He loves those moments that make you say, where are you, Lord? He loves those moments that hide the table of the Lord from you. He loves those moments that make you 
you feel spiritually disabled, like you can't go anywhere, like you can't pray, like your prayers aren't making it past the ceiling, like you, like, like, like God doesn't hear you. He loves those moments. You know what? People quit in a second. People give up in a second. People act out in a second. People make rash decisions in a second. I've seen Christians cuss people out in a second because somebody pulled out in front of them. I know none of you would ever do that, but I've seen people just lose their religion because something just happened in a second. I know all of you are saints and you wouldn't do that, but I'm just saying I have seen it before where people all of a sudden just a second and their lives are altered. Everything is moved. Everything is shifted because just of a second. A question for you this morning is who are you allowing to carry you in life? Hmm. Who are you allowing to carry you? In other words, who is the first person that you talk to before you actually pray about it? That's who's carrying you. Who are you depending on more than you do the Lord? Who is carrying you? Who consumes your mind during the day? Who is carrying you? Where do you turn when you need a pick-me-up? Who is carrying you? Whose table are you at more than the table of his presence? Who is carrying you? Who are you depending on getting you to the next level? Is it still your mom or your dad? Who is carrying you? Who are you leaning on to work it all out? Who is carrying you? Who are you waiting on to pay your bills? Who is carrying you? You've got to be careful who you let carry you because all it takes is a second and that person could drop you. The person you thought was there for you and all of a sudden life is altered. So not only talking about the people around you, talking around the, about the people around him. They were not cultivating the goodness. They were there to help, but they dropped him. So not only did the caretaker drop him as a child, but he was also born with the name, the great name of Mephibosheth. If that don't wreck your childhood, Mephibosheth. Can you imagine his first day at school? I thought my name Chase was rough. Mephibosheth. Can you imagine being the teacher on that first day of school and you're looking and you're like, where are you? So not only was the caretaker dropping him, but he also had a name. He also had a name that was not the best of names because in the Hebrew, the original text that he was given the name with, it says that his name meant the mouth of shame. Mm. Even from his birth, people were calling out his name. Even whenever he, whenever he came into life, people were already placing labels on him, labels of shame, label you'll never make it. They, 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 they were calling out Mephibosheth, but all he could hear was shame. So from this time, from the time as a very early child, the people around him, they were not cultivating anything. As a baby, he was already having labels placed on him. He was already being told his destiny. His name meant destiny in the Bible. Everyone, people would name you according to what they thought you were going to be. And they named him a mouth of shame. All of a sudden, everyone, some people would call out his name, but all that he could hear was shame. Now here he is. 
in a place called Lodabar, in a place with disabilities, where he's been dropped off at, where he has been told that's where he belongs. Now here he is in Lodabar, a product of his past. He can't see his future. He can't even imagine being at a king's table. Why? Because someone he trusted dropped him and all the labels from his past have led him to feeling like there was no future for him, like he has no place in the Father's kingdom. He, he even referred to himself in that text that I talked to you about, he referred to himself as a dog like me. He was the lowest of the low. And you want to tell me that there's place at a king's table? You want to tell me that the king wants me to come into his presence? Does he know where I've been? Does he know what I've looked like? And he wants me, but I'll bring even more good news to you today because he doesn't care who dropped you. He don't care who, how your past has identified you. He don't care the intentions of your name. Why? Because those who are in Christ have been made a new creature this morning. Somebody come to the table. Is there, because why? Because therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Somebody needs to come to the table because you've been fatherless as a child and you can trust no man, but God's arms are open for you today and he wants to show you the love of the father somebody come to the table today because there's no wall he won't kick down there's no lie he won't tear down there's no label he won't destroy there's no past he can't erase somebody needs to get to the table this morning somebody needs to get to the table this morning you may feel like you're in a season of uncertainty a season of wondering a season of all alone but i tell you today there's a table that's waiting for you. There's a place card with your name on it if my musicians will come and help me. Thank you. You may feel like you're in a season of uncertainty, a season of wondering, a season of all along. Nobody understands, but I tell you today, there's a table that's waiting for you. And you may feel like you've got too much mess to carry to the table. But I tell you this morning that if Jesus Christ can carry a heavy cross up Golgotha's hill, there's no mess too heavy for him to carry for you today. If our God can carry a cross up Golgotha's hill, your mess is not too heavy for him today. Somebody needs to understand that because I've been doing this thing called ministry full-time for 13, 14 years. I've been preaching now for, I don't even know how old I am, 20-something years. I started when I was 15 years old. I'm 38. Somebody do the math. I don't know. I've been preaching all of these years. And so many times when I stand back and look at somebody's situation, they've allowed something that someone did to them in their past interrupt what God wants to do in their future. Whether it was a father that dropped you spiritually, whether it was a, a sibling who did something to you. I hear stories all the time. Whenever I stand back and I watch the way somebody's acting out, I stand back as a pastor and I say, what's really behind this action? Why are they really behaving in this manner? Why, why did they get angry so quick? And when I step back and look at somebody's story, it's so often that something 
that they've allowed to be in their past that someone did that they trusted, that, that dropped them or something, that a label that was placed on them in their past. And all of a sudden they feel like, I can never be good enough to sit at that table. I can never be good enough to get to the king's table. I've heard the word. I've heard whosoever will. I've heard that at the cross, it's all level. I've heard he wants white and black. I've heard he wants male and female. I've heard he don't care. I've heard, he, I've heard, I've heard that he's a God of second chances, but you don't know what I've been done, but you don't know what I've done to deserve to be in Lodabar. You don't, you don't know who dropped me. You don't know what they did to me. And all of a sudden you're sitting there like, I can never get to the king's table. I can never get there. But aren't you so glad that whenever you feel like you can't get to the king the king can get to you he said go get him bring that filthy rag he'd been in Lodabar they don't have bathrooms in Lodabar they don't have bars of soap in Lodabar there's no beauticians in Lodabar he was disgusting King said, is there anyone left? Who out there needs me? Bring them to me. Because if you continue to read this passage right after there, all of a sudden, his vocabulary changes to, is there anyone left? All of a sudden, David said, well, is there anyone still alive? Why would he change his vocabulary? Because guess what? If you feel like you're left, you're actually still alive today. And if you're still alive, God's got purpose for you today. If you feel like I've just been left, no, you're actually still alive. You know, I've been here all alone. No, 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 but you're still alive. No, no, you don't understand what they did to me, but you're still alive. And as long as you are alive, as long as you've got breath, God wants to continue to breathe his breath into you. Why? Because you've got purpose today. Wow, what a God. What a God. What a God that we serve. That he would take the filthiest of the people in Lodabar people who've been dropped, people with labels, and he would say, I want you. Would you stand with me this morning? I want you. God is calling out to a generation of people. You've allowed a substance to carry you. You thought if I smoke it, it's going to carry me. If I get that car, they'll respect me. You thought if he buys me this many carrots on my ring, he'll love me forever. And you thought that ring was gonna carry you. No, 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 no. You need to stop letting people carry you. You need to stop letting that thing carry you. You need to let our Father carry you to the table this morning. I said, you need to let the Father carry you to the table this morning. Would you just bow your head with me? Close your eyes. Sing this out with us this morning. Come on, sing this out this morning. Oh, praise His name.
to give you a moment to respond to this word today. If you are in this place and you say, you know what? I need to be at the table. I want Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. I need salvation. I need that gift. If you are in this place today and that's you, would you just raise up your hand in this house today? I need Jesus Christ as my Savior. Yes. If you are in this place today, you say, you know what? I just want to be in His presence. I just want more of Him. I know He's got a seat at the table and I'm ready to claim it. You may have been saved and for years and you may have been living a right, a right life, but you just say, you know what? I just want more of the bread. I just want more of Him. I just want to be more like Him. I just want to be in His presence this morning. If that's you, would you just raise up your hand in this place? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, we see those hands. As they begin to sing this song, if you raised up your hand today, would you just begin to make your way down to this altar? We're going to pray for you today. Come on, step on out. Come to the table this morning. Come on. Thank you. Come on, step on out.